Hello gorgeous and welcome to the Swan Waters Healing Podcast. I'm Max Thompson, let's dive right in. So before we get started on today's episode, I just wanted to address the fact that we are going to be talking about religion. It's something we usually steer away from because this topic is quite triggering to myself as well as for Carrie, who is here with me. Carrie, shout. Hey. hey. See? Um, and there's also <laughs> other cult. <laughs> I told you she was here. There are also other cult survivors and people who've experienced spiritual and religious abuse in our community. That's why we ask our members to stay away from religious expression, unless, of course, they are talking about their story or experiences. That request has actually led to a few people asking us about religious and spiritual abuse. So today we're going to be addressing some of those questions. And obviously that means we are going to be talking about religion. As I said, Carrie's here. Carrie is a cult survivor, but we also have a very special guest. Brady Harden is here. He is one of the hosts of the Life After podcast in which he and his co-host Chuck Parson interview special guests with diverse life-changing and life-changing exoduses. I don't know why I put an end in there. Um, people who move away from oppressive forms of Christianity. I just took that from your website because I thought that was such a good explanation of what you guys do. Oh, thank you. I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good. You came up with it. Yeah. Do you like her clever use of Exodus? Yes, I know. It completely <laughs> tripped me when I tried to read it out, but you know, whatever. <laughs> Um, hey, I skipped over all the good stuff there because I just gave like the shortest possible description of what you do. But um, uh, Brady, I'm sure that you can fill us in on a little bit of your own history and what got you to this place. Yeah, let me give a rundown of my history. Um, so I live here in America um, near St. Louis, Missouri. I, well, I'm in St. Louis, Missouri now, but I grew up about 20 minutes south of here where it's a little bit more suburban. And um, I grew up in a very strict Southern Baptist home, uh, very fundamentalist. But even though it was strict, like we were one of those families that we weren't allowed to watch The Simpsons because it was too inappropriate. Oh my God, yeah. But then to find out my dad, who was like a deacon at our church, was cheating on my mom, you know, and like was, was a That seems inconsistent. Very inconsistent. And, and, and that's what a lot of fundamentalism turns out to be. So uh, my dad was, was uh, not a good guy. He was, or is not a good guy. He was abusive. Um, and he was cheating on my mom. They got a divorce. So we were like that family inside of our marriage mm. growing up. And um, I clung to religion so tightly through this time because it was, that was my response to trauma um, is that right. times, especially as a kid, you know, growing up, um, that was what was the only thing that was really brought to me as the only option uh, to heal and the only option for whatever. And so I really became committed. By the time I was eight or 14 years old, I committed myself to the full-time ministry, which meant I at 14 went in front of a group of my, you know, 2000 people at my church and said, I am going to um, be a pastor for the rest of my life. And I'm oh. probably that every future uh, plan that I make starting at the age of 14 on into the rest of my life is going to be built around doing everything that I can to get as many people into this religion as I can and to assist people once they are inside of the religion. That was my goal. I wanted to help people. Uh, but as a 
continued down this road of fundamentalism. Uh, also around the same time, I committed myself to full-time ministry. I also realized that against all of my wants and desires and prayers and whatever, um, I was attracted to men, which if you know anything about uh, <laughs> American fundamentalism, um, mm. even outside of America, like being gay is not okay. And we were taught that, you know, you chose that or that your sexuality is something that you've done or is a response to bad parenting or not having enough friends. There's all these just like little anecdotal reasons to say why you might be gay. Uh, but because of the other religion, than because you're gay. Other than, yeah, yeah that yeah. just be who you are. Like it has to be defined through fail, human failing or sin or not having enough faith or whatever. So I really did everything I could to dedicate myself even more to that. When I was 18, I finally started to tell people, hey, um, I quote, struggle with same-sex attraction is what we would have called it in the terms of our fundamentalism. And I regularly begged God to help me, to fix me, to change me. Um, I would confess it to people. I would, um, I put myself through therapy. I tried to do everything I could to quote, fix myself. And what I realized what needed to happen was if I was going to continue as being a pat, like wanting to be a pastor and continue the faith, I needed to be open about who I was, but I could never act upon it. And so that was my goal. I um, at 18 started to tell people, Hey, I struggle with this, but that's not anything that I plan on acting on. And I was completely 100% telling the truth. Um, I eventually got involved in a very cult-like church, uh, became very Calvinistic, if that's a uh, term that some of your listeners may be aware of. And um, I got involved in a church. I met a woman that I was very attracted to. Uh, my ex-wife is gorgeous. And I uh, told her before our first date, hey, this is who I am. Um, I'm not going to act on it, but I'm attracted to men. Um, and she had a sexual history as well that she opened up to me about. And we decided that uh, we would go into this relationship together, hoping that we can be faithful to each other and be faithful to our God. We continued into that relationship. I did not do anything with a guy. I stayed as, as pure and as faithful to the faith as I could. And after a while, we had a son. And then uh, a couple months after he was born, I found out that she had an Ashley Madison account. And Ashley Madison is a dating service for married people who explicitly want to have affairs. So she literally got on a dating site to find wow. someone to have an affair with. Um, there was some mental health issues that are probably at play. Borderline personality disorder is an issue inside of her family and inside of my family. Um, so I'm not saying any of this is a judgment towards her. Uh, but there were some very huge, big signs of mental health issues that whenever we whenever I went to our church for help, um, the fundamentalism does not understand, did not understand those mental health issues nope. and uh, place the blame on, on both of us. So we kept on hearing a lot of like, well, of you, that sort of language. And, um, you know, here in American politics right now, that's become a very triggering <laughs> phrase for a lot of us because, you know, our president, uh, whenever we had like actual white neo-Nazis marching, um, our president said, well, you know, both sides have some problems. Or oh, problems. yeah, yeah. And it, it's this fake dichotomy that happens a lot of times uh, to people who are being abused and it keeps them from actually getting the help that they need whenever they're being treated as an equal inside yeah. of Yeah, yeah. So, um, I ended up taking my ex-wife back four times and continue and rediscovering the affair 
each time. And so having to still ahead of the curve though, for people getting out of toxic, uh, toxic marriages on average yeah. seven tries. Ugh, I just cannot say. <laughs> like you're ahead of the curve uh, yes yeah for uh <laughs> like the people who do seven though like mine were within a few months of each other mm. you know? so it was like a very like concentrated time of just hell which i would personally choose my situation over having a longer extent you know period of seven god that has to be so heartbreaking um <sighs> in the middle of this my best friend just died out of nowhere he had failure that happened between uh, times two and three that i took my ex-wife back um and she was claiming that she didn't want to come home and work things out with me that things were over with the guy that she was talking to but then each time we found out that wasn't the truth but also i was being accused of being um abusive and other things that are not true but even though she was caught in the lies of saying that the affair was over the church still would say, well, both of you need to blah, 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 blah. And so there was all this overwhelming evidence that I was telling the truth and doing everything I could to, to save my marriage. I mean, did I fuck up? Yeah, am I perfect? Yeah, but um, <laughs> it doesn't mean you're deserving of being cheated on, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, long story short, my ex-wife finally filed for divorce, uh, which I was supportive of because I realized that uh, she isn't who our church was trying to make her to be. And uh, I couldn't continue to be the person that they wanted me to be. Yeah. Uh, she filed for divorce and the church told me that I needed to beg her to stay and quote, ask for forgiveness of anything I ever could have done to make her want to have an affair. So it was very much like wow. victim blaming bullshit, you know? Yeah. Yep. Um, I, I refused to do that because I'd already taken her back four times. Good two, days later, two days later, the church went front of the entire congregation on a Sunday morning, uh, hundreds of people, because I went to a smaller church at this point than the one that I grew up in. Uh, and they told them that I was disfellowshipped. I was cut out of the church family because I was not working on saving my marriage and I was not listening to the leadership of our of our elders. It was through that period that I, I was not ready to give up my faith though, because I, I was legitimate. I had spent 14 years repressing yeah. sexuality and that was 14 years of showing hey, I am this serious about my religion that I'm willing to withhold this entire part of who I am and my personality and um, to, to jump through the hoops that I needed to do as a fundamentalist to show that even though I'm attracted to men, I'm not really going to act upon it and I'm trusting in God um, enough to not want to do that. So I, I, I guess what I'm saying is it was so real to me. It was my entire life. That's what I based everything on. And so I ended up finding a third-party representative to meet with me in the church on a weekly basis to talk about the process of counseling that they tried to help us through, you know, that ended up with me being disfellowshipped and to question whether or not that was a right decision. And throughout that period with the third-party representative, he was a pastor that I, rep- that I liked and I, I respected and a missionary. Uh, he was also like a missionary to that church had sent out before to Israel, the pastor church. Uh-huh. So he, knew he would be good for both of us. And when we went through those meetings, he stood up for me and at the end said that there was absolutely no reason that I should have been under church discipline and that they have treated me like shit. Um, even through this period, I tried to go to another church. They contacted that church to warn them about how abu- like how rebellious I was. Mm. So 
it, even like trying to go to other churches, I tried to go to a more liberal church one oh, and it just wasn't clicking. So it's like, I did everything I could. And finally yeah. those three, like three months of meetings, they decided that, no, I should not have been under church discipline and the church owed me a public apology, but the church drug their feet for about three months to be able to get around to apologizing. And it was during that time that I really started to, to put a lot of things together in my life to realize that the claims that we had as fundamentalists as being the only real loving, you know, like we believe that since only we had God and God is love, we were the only ones who really could love properly. Yeah. We, there was a lot of like this very exclusive language that's very common in fundamentalism in America um, and in other places as well, I'm assuming, but it's very, very, very concentrated here in America that we really do believe that the only morality is Christianity. The Christianity. only deal mm. is Christianity. And it's always like this very um, uh, divisive, cut and dry, black and white, unloving forms of fundamentalism that um, offers these very exclusive, mm. like, the only way to heal, et cetera. So um, it was during that time that I realized I couldn't buy into that anymore. Um, I couldn't believe the way that I was brought up to believe in the way that I had believed my entire life. Um, and I realized that uh, the first thing for me was the Holy Spirit, because mm. we have been abused the Holy Spirit that he's going to live inside of Christians and change them from the inside out, creating them to be more like God. Um, and that I, I truly, truly, truly believe that people would change and would be uh, more moral and more loving if they prayed and read their Bible. But I was starting to realize that the belief that I had and the reality that I was, uh, that I was experiencing were not adding up. And um, I could have stayed in there and just doubled down on the very fundamentalist claims that I believed. Or I could have stopped and really kind of questioned everything and reevaluated what would have been healthy in my life and healthy for others around me. And I realized that what was best for me and my son, uh, you know, who's now six years old, is mm. for me to really question these beliefs and to kind of cut them out um, as an aggressive form of cancer in some ways. And wow. uh, that's where I am now. And so my goal now. Um, and the reason we have a podcast and an online community is to try to have a place. We hold space for people who are leaving these oppressive religion, um, who they leave Christianity completely or not is not my, I don't care. Um, but, but my thing is I want to get people in a place where they can, um, what they believe and what is reality um, can reflect each other. And, and that way, the advice and the things that we can believe can actually speak to our experiences instead of um, shaping and filtering how we view our experiences. I think there's a huge difference between those two. Yeah, and I think as well, when you're saying like you started to question those things, it's something that, Carrie, I've spoken to you about as well, where we're saying like someone who is, uh, you know, confident in their I would say someone who's confident in their belief or in, in what they're telling you, right? And whether that is a religious leader or not, but most people are okay with you asking them questions about their opinions yeah, or their belief system. Because, because if, it, if it's a, a true genuine belief uh, or opinion, then they would be able to answer those questions. Or even if they can't, they would be willing to consider those questions. Yeah, yes. a, a healthy, reasonable human being will not feel threatened by having Question. a person ask them questions. True. Right? 
Yeah. So I, I, I think there are a few, like that is one of the things that I always say, like the, this is a, such a warning sign for, uh, to mm. see if you're in a place that is toxic. If someone isn't accepting you to, to ask questions, to further your understanding. So, you do say that a lot. But yeah. the problem with, with extreme fundamentalism, like an, another problem that comes out of it is we put it such an emphasis on verses in the Bible that says, pray continuously or keep all of your thoughts captive for Christ and yes. understands how your ego works and how the brain works, that it's mm. constant voice that is observing things, you know, and is experiencing and feeling things. It's just a constant voice that's in your mind. But yeah. when you add verses that say, hold all of your thoughts captive and you a society that tells you to take your fundamentalism very, very literal. Um, you have people like me who deal with anxiety um, and, you know, exact twin cousin is OCD. Uh, OCD, when, totally. When you tell somebody at the age that I was, like, let's say seven years old and older, hey, hold all of your thoughts captive. And if there's an ounce of, of anxiety there, that's going to produce kind of a very unhealthy OCD. Oh. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thoughts where you're judging each one of the thoughts that comes through your mind, each observation that comes through your mind. And uh, you have a, you can easily start calling those thoughts temptations that yes. you have a, a normal human thought um, that passes through your mind, even in a millisecond. Um, then that can kind of create this this whirlwind of fundamentalist, like tornado of sucking all of your thoughts and where you're absolutely self with a very black and white fundamentalist thing of oh my god i had this thought that was a temptation um oh shit what's wrong with my brain and it kind of just yes. oh, actually, and it, spirals and it, feeds your, and it feeds your shame right because then it becomes um no i thought something wrong but i am something wrong for having that yes. thought right so it feeds it's not guilt to yeah. feel bad about who you are instead of just what you do um and yes. it though in fundamentalism an emphasis on you are what you do so even mm -hmm. if you do up something um once or twice uh the the religion can preach grace and grace and forgiveness and mercy all at once, but if it isn't practicing that, and if you aren't taught to practice that to yourself, then you're creating mm. their, like fundamentalism inside of your own head that even if you don't go to Sunday school every week, it doesn't matter because all of your thoughts are being um, filtered through a permanent Sunday school that is playing inside of your mind. Perfect. Constantly mm. kind of created that, that, um, that accuser, that oppressor, um, you've become your own oppressor at that point in your own mind. Wow. I actually have two questions for you based on a couple of things you just said. Just for the sake of our listeners who may not understand what you mean by Christian fundamentalism, how would you sort of sum that up in a nutshell? Christian fundamentalism is whenever you read a, the Bible um, and you take it literally. Um, yeah. And so what it is, is it's kind of a, it's a systematic way of taking a very old, outdated book of mythology and stories and trying to figure and trying to shove it into your worldview today. So what mm. fun does is it says, take the Bible literally, here are all the conclusions you need to make, uh, make all of these conclusions that are in this book. And then now I want you to filter all of your experiences and what you see and what you view as if these conclusions are true. 
Um, so yes. Right. Making conclusions from it, it's saying here are all the conclusions you need to make. Now interpret all of your experiences as if these conclusions are untouchable. That's untouchable. Right. And so it's really a process of internalization, isn't it? It's really about people, it's about taking the external and shoving it into somebody so that they believe it 100%. And I guess it's kind of like your experience with, I guess, internalized homophobia as well. I yeah. think you mentioned that um, in God's Only Forgotten Son, an episode of the Life After podcast, um, mm. which was fantastic. And there's, there's two things that come up for me about that because this idea of internalising our sinfulness, you know, you mentioned yeah. Calvinism and the idea of, you know, the uh, Calvinism um, the sort of talks a lot about uh, our total depravity. Yeah. yeah. And it's a pretty, it's a pretty stark sort of worldview to be born into, isn't it? That whole idea that from the moment you're born, you are totally depraved. Isn't it crazy though to like think the, one of the biggest basis of fundamentalism, and I don't know if this was like how pre, well, I'm assuming this was prevalent in your in your experience as well, because mm. it's very common uh, with cults. Is there there has to be this this worldview that you accept very early on that humans are just absolutely garbage, that garbage, you're yeah. garbage, and you're you're deserving of all of this shame, and that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and that yes. the that you're born you're deserving to burn in hell forever and just this idea of taking a literal hell if you really just stop and think about it it makes no sense uh there there's there's no there's no rhyme or reason to to any of it you could say oh well you know god made a way for us that if we don't want to go to hell we can ask jesus into our heart to forgive us for our sins but uh you know, realizes that if they take that literally, they're going to run into a lot of problems. Uh, babies that die or children that die or people who have not heard of the gospel pass away. Yeah. You know, we, there's so much disagreement about what happens to those people because the Bible doesn't address it because, I mean, I'm sorry, but that's, if we're going to accept that worldview, that's going to be one of my first three questions. And I don't think that's a wrong question to ask. What about people who have not heard before what happens to them. The Bible doesn't touch on it. And we assume that they would have, they would be deserved. Well, we believed that no matter what, they would be deserving to burn in hell. So yes. what them is that, but what does somebody really have to do for, to justify me putting somebody on fire for five seconds? Yeah. I can't think of anything that I would be justified in doing that, but then no. in about eternity, which is apparently, by the way, historically, witchcraft seems to be a reason for doing that. Yeah. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah, I, it's being true. a woman in some areas of the world seems to be. Yeah, a reason well, yeah. Well, the that. whole like witchcraft is just a anti being a woman. Yeah, <laughs> and it's it's badass and it's amazing. And actually, the new show on Netflix here. I saw that you were um, watching that. I love it. I nearly because wasn't going to watch it, but then I saw you saying it was fabulous and I was like, oh, I'm going to do it. Because um, what they do in the show is they, they, they take two different types of fundamentalism. One, or both of them, I would say, are fictional. There's the fundamentalism of Christianity and the fundamentalism of witchcraft, which mm. they're showing a type of witchcraft that does not exist. Um, and right. But how absurd the Salem witch trials were and how absurd these things are that it, it's more of just a patriarchal response to yeah. uh, 
realizing that other people are able to have power and able to have decency outside yeah. their Well, and I and, think, uh, I mean, so much, every type of abuse and whether that is religious or otherwise is about people trying to hold on to power. Mm. Yeah. It's all about the abuse of power and it doesn't matter what the setting is in that. It's very interesting because when you guys are talking as well, like how a cult or how um, an oppressive religion completely takes your worldview and, you know, runs off with it. It's, you know, I grew up in a family that does that, right? It's only slightly smaller scale because it's only the, you know, the, the six people in the family. But like everything that you believe about the world is what is being taught by in and so in my case by toxic mother and it's this in some ways it's the same thing right because it just starts with you're not good enough from obviously i'm not good enough for my mother who is perfect Mm. and so so and you start interpreting everything through that like that idea of okay so whatever i do i'm never going to be good enough Never going to be good enough. Right. Yeah. Uh, uh, and my mother yes. threw in some religious stuff of her own. And that's in, in before we got started and we said spiritual abuse and religious abuse, spiritual abuse or uh, religious abuse being, you know, the step up from spiritual abuse. So where my mother would use her Christian belief system to try and control me. That makes that is that being spiritual abuse, but I yeah, wasn't definitely. in a I wasn't in an oppressive church or anything. It still definitely plays a part. Definitely. Oh, absolutely, wow. and yeah. it's also given me some opinions about how because I think there's so much um, people who uh, and I'm, I mean my mother was you know, one of the one of the things that she really wanted to present to the world was how good a Christian she was. Right. Um, but then, you know, close the front door and you start emotionally abusing your whole family, that doesn't seem like the Christian thing to do, right? Yeah. I mean, and it, it's funny you say that because one of the things that helped me on my, what we call deconstruction, that's the term that we mm-hmm. use, like leaving your faith, deconversion, deconstruction is when you're part of a faith and you start to systematically question it and take the piece apart and say, is part of my life that I want to keep. Yes. Okay. I'll put that over there. This is a part that I don't, you put it over there. So it's not like a de destruction. It's a deconstruction. There's a difference. One of the things that helped me and and started me on my deconstruction process was reading a book on toxic parents. Um, That gave me some like emotional framework and the ability to start putting these things together because when you're cut off from those resources and you're cut off from the ability to uh, say, Hey, is this the way that my parents are treating me? Is that normal? When I started to read that book, it, it, it started to give me the framework to start questioning and to start understanding myself. Because so- obviously it becomes your normal, right? Because it's the only reality you've experienced. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, that, that becomes a thing. We're all being distracted. I have a question for you, Brady. Yes. Um, you were mentioning about uh, the whole, you know, when we were talking before about um, the total depravity and mm-hmm. um, being born into a system that makes us believe that we are inherently evil, right? The idea of self-love. Yes. This is not something that I personally feel exists in the Bible at all. No. And I feel that this whole, the whole 
the whole purpose of toxic interpretations of the Bible, that's that's what I'm gonna use for the sake of this discussion, because I don't wanna I don't wanna, you know, throw shade at anyone for their faith. No, but, that's a good phrase. I like that a lot. Yeah. You know, but for for people who interpret the Bible in a toxic way, or they they have fundamentalist views in, you know, mm-hmm. in accordance to your definition before. If we take the Bible literally, if we don't look at it figuratively, we technically are not allowed to love ourselves. And I know that uh personally for me, growing up and even up until the last year, like I've, I've been, I left Christianity five years ago, but I feel like deconversion is sort of, I'm sort of surrendering to the fact that it's maybe a lifelong process. I don't know. But if you, if you do subscribe to Christianity from a literal perspective, you have to do what Paul says, which is consider yourself lower than everybody else. And I just want to know, what would you say to people who are trying to maintain their faith, but also are having, that they are living within that framework? They're trying to do what they believe is right, but how, how can they love themselves? What would you say to that? That's a great question. That makes sense. I feel like that wasn't very eloquent. No, no, no it made complete sense. Well, I mean, this stuff is so hard to discuss. Like, everything's, yeah. you know, a couple of things. I would say, I'll talk about their, their interpretation first, and then I'll give some, mm-hmm. uh, some practical advice. The interpretation is hard because the Bible says so many things that if I were to write down everything that I said, you can come up with a lot of worldviews or contradicting worldviews based on what I said. You know, if I continue to talk enough that if I'm telling you everything I say is absolute truth. So then when there are contradictions, like, you know, God says, I am love, but then also at the same time, the Bible says that he created a place to torment people forever who just because they were born and didn't believe in him. You could then, then as a fundamentalist, you'd have to believe both of those things. Well, yeah, God is, he's the most loving thing ever, but at the same time, he also created this insane type of- It's also kind of a vindictive- Yeah, he also created- (laughs) I'm, a, a I'm trying to think of, of a word life. that is like acceptable. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, we also believe that he created a, a special type of eternal life to give to people just so that they can be conscious of burning for all time, you know, which is yeah. a really crazy mm. thing that, um, that people don't really question uh, very much because if you think that you're safe from hell, then you can say things like, oh yeah, we all deserve hell, right? Yeah. How many yeah. people say that and think that they're going, you know what I mean? I like, think that they're going to hell, that's the right. Say, yeah. It's like white people saying racism is not a problem. I well, know. You don't have to deal with it uh, yes. or systematic racism within, you know, whatever. So I would say that some really good advice is to allow yourself to question and, and to treat unbelief the way that you want to be treated. You know, I, I take the rule that if you say, uh, you want to treat others the way that you want to be treated and you're going through uh, questioning your faith, then then question it fairly in a way that you would think is fair in both ways. That if you sat on the other side of that fence, then that you would say, okay, well, this person really did question their beliefs in a fair way um, that, I, that I'm okay with. You know, so I, I would say... Expose yourself to other things, really search it out. One thing that was really lacking in my life was self-love. Um, there's so many verses in the Bible that says, don't trust your heart. Um, anybody who is seeking a sign is perverse and wicked. But really, like, wh- what is that? A sign is just evidence that what you're believing is actually true. The Bible is saying, hey, give me all of your life and, your, and sacrifice everything over to me. Yeah. You are absolutely in the realm of being a normal, um, logical, loving person to want evidence before you 
devote your entire life to something. Do we pay our entire pension to someone without checking whether he's a Nigerian prince or just an internet? <laughs> you know, or, or even like we can quote Jesus that says, "Do you start building a bridge without stopping and thinking if you have all the parts first? Or you also, do or also, do we start building before we get to the water or when we get to the water? You know, right, right. All yeah. very legit questions to be asking. But also fundamentalists are almost like yeah. in this contest of like who can believe the most outrageous things without proof and evidence. So there's almost self-rewarding that happens. It's like, oh, well, I am going to step out. I'm going to start building that bridge, even though I don't have any of the parts. And God just going to provide. And if I fail, then I'm going to reframe uh, that situation in a different way that's still going to fall into um, a way that's going to be pro-fundamentalism and anti me being a person. I think this really comes back to our locus of control and where we find our power. I feel like there's something quite coercive about mainstream religions because it's like you have to subscribe to a certain set of beliefs. So there's not a, there's not a lot of room for um, people to say, I want to actually look at this figuratively. And when you look at the Bible and look any any sacred text or myth literally you are immediately taking your control and putting it outside of yourself yes. Yes. yeah immediately and that is i i mean just reflecting on my personal experiences in, in the high demand group i was a part of is the abuse was able to take place and it was able to escalate because mm -hmm. my power i i gave it over more and more and more i believed what someone else said more and more and more. I ignored my heart. So you mentioned before, you know, the heart is deceitful above all things, as the Bible says. So you start to think, I can't trust me. So I have to put my heart and my my intuition and my my um, intellectual faculties into the hands of someone who knows better yeah. than me and knows mm -hmm. more than me. And all of a sudden, I am powerless. One thing that really empowered me, I think this is good advice for your listeners too. I had a high school teacher who I stayed Facebook friends with and uh, she out of nowhere just asked me what my address was and I was like, oh yeah, sure. And she she sent me a book and she she sent me a book and she said, uh, I want to give you this this to you because it's true about you and uh, and, I, and I'm really proud of who you still are. And so you're trying to say, I Bible boy when I was in high school, you know, what I, mean? like, uh, I was a pastor, you know, I was going to be a pastor. I was known as like, I told people the plan of salvation over the intercom on the last day of uh, your year, because I did morning announcements. And so I like, I was a rebel and I was like, oh, I'm a rebel with the <laughs> you know, I did the morning after high school and I ended with like, and if you don't have help, and I like, you know, talked about Jesus and then a couple of teachers were really mad, I can tell, but it was my last day of school. With them. What were they going to do? You know? Right. That's who I was back then, but she sent me this book and it was called, um, You Are a Badass by Jen Scenario. And it's not even that groundbreaking of a book. It's just a self, it's a self-improvement book, mm. but it's just that this self-help culture and self-improvement mm -hmm. culture was so demonized within our Christian mm -hmm because they yeah. didn't you know, find any power that is outside of what is comes from them and is what has yeah. been packaged by them. And so yes. it was through kind of reading that that I started to gain a little bit more confidence and a little bit more um, ability to trust my intuition and say, hey, when yeah. these beliefs are here, um, I, I don't think that hell is okay. I don't think that burning people forever is okay. I don't think believing that you are deserving of burning forever just because you were born is okay. Or to tell people 
but that's okay. And also like literal parts of the Bible, if you're a little bit more liberal, may say, well, I'm okay with gay people, but it's like, but God literally said to kill gay that's people. Right. And um, I have a zero tolerance for, for, for committing genocide over my deities. Call me crazy. I just don't think that if I'm... <laughs> I don't well, think that's that right. slip up one time. Oh, I might go crazy, but probably not for that reason. <laughs> yeah. You know, and so it's like these, if you want to take things literally, if you even want to be a b- little bit more liberal about it, um, then you have to question things like, well, why would God say commit genocide and then not correct people for thousands of years and then allow millions and millions of people to be slaughtered uh, because of people who took what he said literally. Um, mm-hmm. And if real and powerful, then how real and powerful is it to just sit and watch people take what you said literally and let bloodshed happen? But he's more preoccupied with this idea of not showing himself and remaining a mystery mm-hmm. and all this like weird psychology and other. It just things. becomes that kind of don't yeah. don't mind the man behind the curtain. People. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. The Wizard of Oz, kind of. I shouldn't have just said that. That's horrible. But that's always kind of what it reminds me of. That's what it's based on. It's coming from the same thing. So it's like, yeah, I don't exactly. know. I, just, that, I would encourage people. Funny. There's we, so many things a, that are based on that same kind of basic principle. And um, yeah. yeah, I mean. One of the best, um, one of my favorite episodes, I'll call it probably our best episode, one of our best episodes of the podcast. It's our fourth episode where we interviewed Jamie Lee Finch. Oh, I've been Instead, wanting to listen to that. Our, our podcast with uh, all the guests on there and, and the whole premise were just people that I had not seen in about a decade that I know also left the really crazy fundamentalism that I came wow. from. So my friend Jamie, she was one of those. She even moved to Britain for a while and was part of a, um, a Christian cult out there called the International House of Prayer. That's extremely, if your listeners are fundamentalists or not, um, <laughs> International House of Prayer is a piece of shit. <laughs> It is very, I've heard of that, actually. It is very, very yeah. yeah, it is a cult. Um, and she was part of it. But one thing that she's learned out of coming out of all of this cult and, um, and this religious abuse and religious trauma is that um, she learned about intuition and she learned about mm-hmm. learning to believe yourself again and to be in tune wow. and to um, listen to your body as almost like a sixth sense and not in like a weird, like, I see dead people. Way, but just yeah. to like know that your instinct and your your body is created in such a way to keep you alive and to keep you yeah. safe. I think that this You're is one of the things that I've noticed most about just the healing journey is that more and more you start to understand the messages that your own body is giving you because you've been so disconnected from, I mean, I think in general, in modern society, we're far too disconnected from our bodies. But I think especially because when you're in an abusive situation of any kind, like you're constantly kept off balance, right? So like the rules keep changing and like you, every time you think you figured out how you're supposed to be behaving to keep yourself safe, then everything changes. And all of a sudden what was fine yesterday is like a problem today. And That's so right. you start really dousing your own instinct for how you're supposed to be behaving, what is acceptable, what is going to keep you safe. And exactly. so I had like zero trust of myself when I first got out because like well it never worked before to trust myself (laughs) well fundamentalism is just like systematically telling yourself what you see is not real believe what other people say is yes you can say like oh you know our our struggles are against not against flesh and blood but it'd be and then 
it's against the principalities and the spiritual, whatever. And, and, and if you're starting off places, oh, hey, I'm horrible and violent, deserving of hell. It'd be a very, very long time, Mac, before somebody would be able to put together, hey, I should listen to myself and respect what I say. And to trust your own perception. Uh, you know, I believed, hey, we all deserve to burn in hell. But really in the back of my mind for years, uh, I really struggled with that, but I just it had to get yeah. do. And I and I remember I was a young preacher. I sort of I was um request or a, a church found me when I was or my church offered me a job when I was 16. And then when I was 19, another church came to me and asked me to be their youth pastor. And then another church. So it's like I didn't even have like a resume for a while because of my ministry jobs, because I was so passionate that people knew who I was and that I was so dogmatic in it that they wanted me to be part of their church thing. But I remember at an early age preaching things like, because we deserve hell, anything that we go through that is less than hell is by the grace of God. So like, let me put that in like a different perspective. Um, that's me saying, Brady, you are such a piece of shit that use you go through, you deserve, because you deserve a lot worse than anything that you can encounter on, how, on, on earth. So learn to just shut the fuck up about your abuses. And, and when your heart says, um, hey, I want to get out of this oppression, uh, you have to learn to keep your, your heart to be quiet. And you have to learn to pile even more fundamentalism on, side of, on top of that until you can't hear that voice anymore. That's tough. Well, it's, it immediately makes, it makes me remember, and Carrie knows this story, but like one of the last messages that I got from my parents before I decided to break contact with them, I had like, okay, so really quick history summary here. Both uh, Stuart and I had lost our jobs. We decided to sell our house before it would go into foreclosure. We then had nowhere to stay. So we moved in with my parents for a year, which was not <laughs> oh. good. Let us commiserate together. Uh, so we I'm not a Christian, but I believe you're a saint. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I found a new job. We it was a couple of times over, but so we moved. So we just lived with. My, so we, I just want to say we just we were in our early thirties. Just lived with my parents for a year. Um, I was in a new job. We I didn't take time off to move. I just, we just moved house on the weekend, so I was pretty exhausted. <laughs> yeah. Um, new job, moving house. And then um, after about maybe 10 days, my father sent me an email and he says, I don't know if you remember this, the story of the prodigal son, but if you can imagine what his parents would have felt like, then you know what I feel like because I haven't heard from you in 10 days. <laughs> and, and so like, I so actually do you know, come back today. Like I'm going to be some radical. Like, no. At no. this point already, I was quite... It's very dramatic, isn't it? Like, I like seriously. Oh, I feel like I the father of the prodigal son. I had obviously let them know that, it, you know, we'd got their fine. And I mean, it wasn't that I hadn't given them any sign of life. I mean, they knew that we'd gotten to the place fine and stuff like that. But apparently, like, I was had been quiet for too long. <laughs> and so I actually emailed him back. I replied and said, oh, it's great to see that the victim card now has a biblical variety. Oh, God, yeah. And um, left it at that. That was one of the last, actually, I think that's the last communication I had with my father before sending them a letter to say, do you know what? We're not doing this anymore. Yeah. Good. I, that's empowering. It is, isn't it? Boundaries. Boundaries. Oh, okay. Oh. 
Speaking of boundaries, Brady, I've got a question for you. Yes. Okay. So can we talk about grace for a moment? I want to talk about grace because this is something that I have had to work through on my own. But the idea of grace as being this unmerited favour. Now, I don't believe there's much of a distinction, at least in Christian culture, between God's grace toward people and people having grace toward each other. Now, just for my own personal, out of personal interest, I kind of looked into it and I was like, oh, I don't think it actually says in the Bible that we need to have grace toward each other. I think Mm. we're supposed to have compassion and understanding, but God's grace is unmerited toward humanity. Now that makes sense. Like if you believe in a, you know, an all powerful, all seeing, self-sufficient God who doesn't technically need us, well, he can have unmerited favour, right? I mean, yeah. people can screw up all that all they want and it's not going to hurt him, so to speak. It's not going to destroy his self-esteem. It's not going to, you know, all of that. But with people, we have our limitations. We have our needs and wants and we have bad days and good days and they're actually really not good for us. But I remember when I was a Christian, I don't know if you identify with this, uh, when I was a Christian, I had such terrible people in my life. Like I, I didn't believe... I was allowed to have boundaries because yeah. I I have to reflect the love of Jesus right. and I have to win them over. And the only way that they're going to be saved is if I let them treat me like shit and they'll see what a lovely, patient, kind person I am, which is a reflection of the lovely, kind, patient person that Jesus is. And they'll be like, yay, I'm going to come into the kingdom and worship God forever and not go to hell. That's <laughs> I mean, okay, that would make that would make sense if Bible says should be happening is happening, and that is that mm. Christians are known by their love, that they really do have supernatural morality. Um, supernatural morality. That that's is great. That is so. That's so like how Bible Boy wins. You know, he's. I just now like Bible Boy, Superman suit. Oh, oh yeah. Sorry, but, I mean that's what we that's what we literally believed about ourselves that we were like basically X-Men. Uh mm-hmm. but the powers that we got were the fruit of the spirit, joy, peace, patience. <laughs> oh man. And oh, um, man. And so because, you know, the Bible, the ev- the evidence is not there to understand the Bible historically, um, the only theme that really we should have been 100% able to show is that we were supernaturally uh, good people. But yeah. you're doing what you were just describing, Carrie, is that we have to realize that that Christians are just people. You know, I'm not dehumanizing Christianity. I'm humanizing some people. I think that they're more than human. Mm. They that's, yes. And that's, that's and what so, I, I would just love to see, like, if people are going to be Christian. I mean, look, I, I support whatever helps people to get through this life. Yeah. You do it as long as, it, as it's aligned for you and it's true for you. I will support that. And as long as you're not hurting anybody else, they're my two sort of, you know. But, but what you were describing, Carrie, is so true. And it's exactly what happened to me and what's happened to so many people that's on our podcast and in our community is that um, because we were told that these people are trustworthy and that they have the Holy Spirit working inside of them. So even if they do sin, if they do bad towards you, that uh, we trusted that the Holy Spirit would, would 
change their hearts and bring them yes. back. When I realized that's not how it functions, that's when I started to really question things because I, I truly believe that. So what, what are you doing, okay. Carrie, at times is that you are showing your vulnerabilities and your lack of making boundaries. You're, you're advertising. We advertise that um, to the people around us. We, we were a walking advertisement for giving yourself away and to be yeah. self seen all of this. So what you're doing is just making a big sign that says, Hey, take advantage of me. I don't have any boundaries. And yeah. when you get to a group of people that you think are supernaturally going to have your back, that's one thing and it makes sense. But then when you realize, Oh shit, you just did that to a group of people that don't have a special internal God that is going to keep them yeah. um, or anything. What you just did is you opened yourself to be taken advantage of by a group of people that will use spirituality and other means to take advantage of you. Saying that they're necessarily going to be doing that to be mean or that they're going to proactively take look for opportunities to treat you like shit. But yeah. with who um, by nature take advantage of other people when they mm -hmm. by nature see people who don't have boundaries and they mm -hmm. see that person advertising that they don't have boundaries. That person by nature is then going to take advantage. Yes, yes. Exactly. This is so immediate, immediately puts to mind when people in our uh, community say as well like I can't believe I fell for one of these kind of people again because a lot of people it's mm. for a lot of people it's a repeating pattern but it's because it's not because you're a bad person or you're a weak person but it's because you're a person who doesn't know how to maintain their boundaries and they can tell yeah. Yeah. and so I mean boundaries are so important and they're not about selfishly saying no to everything i always say like our boundaries are just what determines our shape in the world right it de determines yeah. where we end and the world begins and if we don't have boundaries then we become internal external doesn't it doesn't so that almost became life and death for me in some mm. ways because when i was going through that period of abuse whenever my wife was cheating and i went to the church and asked for their help and and, and wanted my marriage to work out and wanted to work it out you know i came to the church church and basically threw myself at them said I will do whatever I can to save my marriage fuck by the end of that mags like they were facilitating when I would be able to have my son and when she would have my son yeah. um, and and it it I you know at the same time that I lost my career my life my best friend uh who was not my wife separate person yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i remember talking about oh they married their yeah. best their best oh, friend i'm you like mentioned, you mentioned uh, your best friend yeah. <laughs> mine mine just systematically cheated on me you know that's my wife but anyway I, <laughs> when i was going through that time i gave up everything and if i would have continued down that path if i did not stop and i said i'm getting the hell out of the shit um, it's very, very, very possible that I would not have the 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 fifty fifty joint custody of my mm, Brady at this point. Wow. And the, the the I look back at the trust that I had in in, in these people because I, I really thought that I saw the fruit of the spirit of them and I thought that they were such loving people that I could trust them. And the fact that I even for a moment would have given trust entrusted them to make any decisions over yeah having the ability to see my son because mind you too my ex-wife outed me to my to my mom and my mom uh my mom immediately tried to come up with a system where i would not have my son overnight because quote if i didn't molest or rape him one of my friends would uh because I, that's the oh, that was perception of fundamentalism and the the perception of homosexuality within that fundamentalism. seriously 
stuff like that just breaks my head. Like it literally just makes my brain go. And so reading that book on toxic parenting, I also read a book uh, by a Christian uh, from a Christian perspective on spiritual abuse. Um, And that was like one of the last books that I read before I would consider myself not a Christian. Um, In reading the book on toxic parenting, I also read a book on borderline personality disorder, Mm -hmm. which is very active in my family, in my mom. And so Mm -hmm. you thing that you kind of, in some ways, that was normal to me. Things that should have been red flags growing up. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like, you don't learn... You don't, yeah. I, I see it so many times, like people who, who are, end up in abusive marriages or, or at least in toxic relationships, you know, they, they end up, they, when you actually start asking the questions, then all of a sudden you realize that actually they grew up in a toxic family. Yes. And so our alarm bells didn't get installed. Yeah, of course. Those alarm bells can't get installed until you open the door and allow somebody else another influence. Exactly. And with fundamentalism, it's all about cutting yourself off from the world. From other, from other influences. Well, and, uh, demonizing listen. self-improvement, demonizing psychology, which is huge. We demonized professional therapy. We trust other Christian therapists who are going to teach us and tell us back, be an echo chamber for what we already believe and we've already accepted. Oh, Brady. You know, we just wanted somebody who's going to repeat back our conclusions. Uh, but when I yes. started and started to um, open myself up to what it means to be mentally, like I've got mental health issues as well, of uh, anxiety and depression that I've gotten through a lot of this and also genetics. And then to start to realize like, oh, these things are symptoms of a disorder. It's not sin this way, or when I think this way, it's not bad. It's my body screaming for help. Yeah. Uh, yes. be screaming for, to be heard again. You know, this is something I've been thinking about a lot too. Like when I um, started to get deeper and deeper into the group I was a part of, I was actually getting counselling for childhood sexual abuse. And our pastor said to me, she said, Jesus is your wonderful counsellor. You need to stop. And she pressured me and I ended up leaving. And it's so hard to get back into that place too because they've got such a long waiting list. But I can't believe that. I mean, spilt milk, but it's it's just such a, I feel like it's gotten better to a degree in the church. Like see, there seems to be more conversations about it. I know that, you know, my Christian friends seem to have pretty progressive attitudes about it. And I'm lucky that I have good progressive Christian friends in my life. Yeah. So yeah, I get to see that. Um, but something else that you said, like what you experienced with, you know, the church interfering with your son and custody. And so it's just, heartbreaking and i'm so glad that you were able to get out when you did hey carrie i just wanted to interrupt myself to make a confession and what confession would that be max Uh, the confession is i am not going to blow your mind all the time um that's really really random but yeah sure go on i know right but it's true we all learn in different ways and we heal in different ways so we have different strategies that work for us that makes total sense but how do i find that what works for me? Well, you could possibly download the free ebook I created to help you figure it out and find some ways where you can use your personality to make the most of your healing journey. Um, that sounds amazing. How do I do that? You just go to swanwaters.com slash healing dash tools and you get your copy. And uh, is it free? That's right. It is free. All you have to do is just go to swanwaters.com slash healing dash tools and tell us where to send your copy. Are you telling me that all I have to do is go to swanwaters.com slash healing dash tools and get my free copy i think that's what i just said oh my god i'm gonna do that right now you're awesome darling i guess confession time is over back to the podcast 
what we initially really wanted to focus on, oh, I mean, this has all been wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> well, I love it. Um, look, ob obviously, tangents are like lifeblood. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, and also, this is supposed to be a conversation and not, it's a, a conversation. We're not yeah. scripted. We're not scripted. But so, like, speaking of all this trauma, I mean, Brady, you know quite a bit about, you know, religious trauma syndrome and, I was just wondering if you could explain to our listeners what that is. Absolutely. So RTS, religious trauma syndrome, is a uh, is a term that was started by Dr. Marlene Winnell, uh, who we're getting on our podcast soon. Oh my god! Oh. How exciting! <laughs> Uh, because she, the, I mean, the reason that I have a podcast and stuff is because, so my friend, uh, my friend, Jamie Lee Finch, she's on the fourth episode mm -hmm. of our podcast. She posted a, uh, article on religious trauma syndrome and it blew me away because it finally made sense of what I had been living through and experiencing for, for several years at this it's point. It's lovely when that happens, right? But religious trauma syndrome is a condition experienced by people who are struggling with leaving an authoritative black and white fundamentalist system. And some of the themes that happens is because we were brought up in that, we have problems with our, our cognitive understanding because we have what well, we're gonna have very negative beliefs about our, our self abilities, what we're able to do. Um, we're going to we've always been kind of like outsourcing our belief systems to other mm -hmm. conclusions. So that part of our brain that takes evidence and does the scientific method of getting conclusions from evidence instead of evidence that from conclusions. <laughs> Um, our, our cognitive abilities <laughs> shot for a while until yeah. we start to reprogram our minds. We'll deprogram our mind if we want to use like legitimate cult speak. There's a lot of emotional issues, obviously, that come through that, social issues. Every friendship and every value that I've ever had on myself or on other people, up to the point that I left religion, has always been based somehow on that religion. Mm. I became friends with other people who were in the ministry. I became friends from church. I would only date people that I was going to church with or mm. were inside of my faith. And so my social, my entire social construct was built 100% around this fundamentalism. So when that fundamentalism rug is pulled out from underneath me, my social skills were shit. I didn't yeah. know. And also at the same time, I'm leaving the faith and I'm also coming out. Um, I'm yeah. like dating guys. All this at the same time. And oh, I that's so much to deal with. I'm in my late 20s and I had no clue what the fuck was going on at that time. You know, I'm mm. now. So I'm a little a few years beyond it and it, it, it gets better. It gets better. It gets better. I just want to say that one more time. It gets better. It does, doesn't it? So, yeah, like it does. It does it, it it gets less extreme and it gets less often that you really mm. get kind of knocked down by something other than, you know, the normal kind of life's fluctuations. Although still sometimes like I'm now six, uh, six and a half years away from my family. And, uh, but you still, sometimes you just, all of a sudden you're like, I didn't know that that was something that was still sitting there from, you know, how you were raised and, and the ideas that were, you know, the programming that was done. It keeps you quiet, doesn't it? It does. And Although that wasn't really the point I was going to make, um, but I still made it. It was a good I point to make. What I wanted to say, though, the religious trauma syndrome, as I understand mm -hmm. it well, it snuggles up nicely with, your, uh, with PTSD and CPTSD as well, doesn't mm -hmm. it? it? Yeah, it's, it's just like a... They're besties. They're, they're, they're basically... <laughs> They're basically the same thing. 
you know what I mean? Like uh, the, the complex PTSD and everything. Yeah. What makes religious trauma syndrome differently is because you are going through from one worldview to a completely yeah. different one. And so it's kind of oh. like, in addition to this PTSD, you're also moving from one planet to another and having to get accustomed to a completely different culture that uh, you have been taught is is evil and horrible and not mm. worth trust. Um, and we were, you know, we we always have this idea of non-Christians. Uh, fundamentalist Christians treat non-Christians the way that the KKK in America treats black people. Yes, yes. Since that there is there is huge prejudice, and, and let me rephrase that: what the KKK does is absolutely horrible there is physical violence involved there is systematic oppression and it is it is despicable beyond all belief what religion does is a little bit uh it's nicer it's a little bit more passive aggressive yes it has this idea that um if you're not part of our religion then you are morally stupid and you are not trustworthy the repent and that we have all this information that you need to you know commit yourself to and that you need to figure out and the only reason you're not part of us is because you don't understand what we believe and what we do. yeah you're at a lower oh, plane than us yeah you so totally <laughs> off the mark there brady i mean look i obviously what you said about you know the systematic violence and all of that is true but there is still violence within oh, yeah. the realm of Christians toward non-Christians and you know like I an example from my own life was when I was going through this big upheaval like I had left the church my family just had a complete breakdown and I had no job because it was such a high demand group that I had to sort of choose between working and serving so I ended up quitting my job had no home no job moved to another city then then I left I, I like officially sort of like removed myself from Christianity not necessarily stopped believing but I just thought I can't deal with this I've got to like proactively get the bullshit out by just doing everything opposite <laughs> yeah. than the way I was raised right and right. anyway there was a point where I was homeless for about nine months now when I say homeless, I mean like couch surfing and I didn't have an actual residence. And there was one woman who contacted me that I had known as a Christian. She was so lovely. And she asked me if I needed any help and she offered me money and stuff. And then she said, you can actually come and live with us if you want on one condition. But you have to come to church with us. There's always a condition. And I was, I, I just, I was like, no, I would rather not have somewhere to live than like, I mean, she knew that I was traumatized from the church and she was putting a condition on my basic survival needs on her, like extending kindness to me. And I just, I just look back at that and I think that you should be ashamed of yourself. Absolutely. Like, where is the compassion from one human being to another when right. another person right. is in crisis? Like I said before, like you, my my entire like self-worth had to do with what I was able to offer to this religion. Mm-hmm. And that, that she valued you was I could help you. Yeah, that's fine, but that doesn't really matter unless it has something yeah. to do with tying back to my religion of in kindness. It's just they're using these words, but all it is is a double standard of how they would treat people within their community as opposed yeah. to people outside of their community. So when I said about the KK. Okay. The reason I stop myself is like, I'd like to make analogies to help people kind of like draw parallels, mm-hmm. but white person, <laughs> you know, who's- no, 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 no. I knew <laughs> what you meant. I knew what you meant. Uh, and I knew good. that you weren't 
Yeah. And so I just I wanted to I wanted to clarify that. But yeah, just stepping out of that that fundamentalism where every every thought that you had was handed to you. And then now you kind of have this whole world that opened up to you that you have the ability to explore and make your own judgments on without the help of a, you know, six thousand year old war deity that yeah. <laughs> actually oh my god, I just recently like learned the history of where we got God. Um, yeah, yeah. Yahweh <laughs> was a polytheistic god that you know, yep. like conquering these other like gods, and then rewrote the Bible so that it would be. Oh my goodness, I learned all this. I, can I just say though? Can I like? I don't know. This is maybe my personal belief, but I don't think he himself wrote the Bible, rewrote the Bible. <laughs> Max, no, okay. I had this, I had this discussion at some point with someone because he was like, I once had this discussion with someone who was um, uh, trying to convert me to Christianity. And his only problem was that I grew up in Christianity and I had greater knowledge of the Bible than he did. So. Oh, no. It is, it is and, very hard to I have a Bible degree. And so when oh, I get discussions and- with people, it's like, I know your stuff better than you. And it's not a good thing. Exactly. And I also, I had like three hours to kill waiting for a train. So I was like, oh, Max, you engage. Like, Come on, <laughs> let me have it. Right? And so cause I was like, it's either this or just, you know, staring into space for three hours. But Max, have you walked away? Cause I have, and, and this is not a popular opinion. Um, I have mm-hmm. walked from debates with people like with with fundamentalist christians um, on online and everything and walked away gaining good things from it like realizing mm. oh i can't i'm not intimidated by this anymore because mm. it, yeah you know uh, was that your experience or what was it like for you? well this was just me having fun because i kept talking <laughs> you were just trolling they, him weren't you i kind of was oh, but he kept saying things like well you know men shouldn't add to the bible and i was like you understand that the bible was written by me i know and and, you know and men decided which bits to put in and which bits to leave out and stuff like that like we can have a discussion about this but let me just let me just tell you a little bit of this history and so it was it was funny because he was trying to convince people but he didn't really know how to convince people i guess i don't know from my experience a lot of people had this attitude of you just didn't get what you wanted in life. Bad things happened to you and then you ran away from the faith. Just having that sort of like very demeaning view of what I went through in my life and my ability to cognitively process through my experience. Well, and I think as well, like if you say, hey, bad things happen to you and so you just run away from it, then I think you greatly underestimate the pain and trouble that it takes to run away from that. Because uh, I can imagine that running away from your religion, the way that you have is comparative to me deciding I never want to speak to my parents again. Exactly. Right. That's not that's not a decision I made based on that one email. Exactly. Uh, right. Like right. Great analogy. That is soul searching and that is years and years of do you know what? I'm trying to fix this. I'm trying to fix this. I'm trying to get to a place where I can have a relationship with these people and coming to the conclusion that you can't. No, because right. they don't want to have a relationship with you. At least not one that wow. is well, actually they do, but not one that was acceptable to me. I experienced um, that a lot too. A lot of like liberal Christians were like, Well, if you were part of our church or our faith expression you wouldn't have gone through what you went through. I owe these other expressions of Christianity a try before I leave, which I did. You know, I, I did hit, yeah. all, but, but still like liberal Christianity for me is not considered 
consistent enough because still it's like, oh yeah, well, God said to kill people, but we don't really believe that anymore. But it's cool that he said it. We just don't fall. But it's like, I don't, as a gay person, I don't then trust who said that. Or if you read Exodus 21 and it talks about it's okay to beat a slave as long as they don't die, um, but because they're your property. Twas says, I don't need... I don't need to worship a God who ever said that even once. Uh, perfect. Um, my understanding of how a deity is, if he's deserving of my worship devotion, he better have his shit together and he better have had his shit together since the beginning. Uh, I don't, I'm not going to trust anybody. I'm not going to date somebody who yeah. for, while, you know, like every once in a while says, Hey, let's go kill people and cut off their foreskins. And, yeah. uh, their, their women and kill their babies. If he said that one time, that's enough for me to break up with Especially them. Especially if he says it on yeah. the first date, right? Like, on the first date. First date. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you have to bring the <laughs> I mean, we, we've Right? Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't kiss on the first date. That is and serious. I don't tell you to commit genocide on the first date, you know? <laughs> Foreskins, though, totally on the table. And that sounded way more disgusting than I intended. It really did. It was great, though. I'm proud of you, Max. Um. <laughs> if but, you want to take the literal, it's got to be consistent. It's got to be consistent. Mm-hmm. Or else mm-hmm. it doesn't add up, you know? Well, that's you can't cherry pick because compromise is this big thing in in you know, in, in the Christian lexicon, you know, like we can't compromise, we can't compromise. And but the thing is, you have to compromise. But what I find so interesting is that when, or this is at least my experience, and please do contradict me if that's not what you've experienced, but I feel that people who have that really black and white way of looking at their faith and say that they're consistent in that tend to actually be some of the most inconsistent people I know. Mm-hmm. Because because mm-hmm. so many of the things are are contradictory. It's like so much of the stuff is so schizophrenic to me, right? Mm-hmm. Like how can how can God be saying like hey you have to forgive everybody but at the same time he gets to chuck a whole lot of people into hell and not forgive them for their shit. And, and it, but you and know why it is though is that it it creates a prejudice that it's not just oh we're the most loving people in the world it's that we are loving to our own people but there's another way uh, there's another system there's another standard of of morals and treatment to people outside of the religion. Mm. They make all these assumptions of, of people that, oh, they're, they're depraved, they don't care, um, they're gonna be sinful. I, I got whatever, I would leave religion. Um, well, Brady, what are you gonna do? Just rape and murder people all the time? And it's like, Right. Yeah, yeah obviously. No I mean, that's always been my hobbies. <laughs> you know, yeah. so What? Put it there, on the resume. I mean, I know I should be laughing, but that is like- It's messed up, right? <laughs> It's yeah, but so it's the attitude. It's, it's so the attitude. Up. Yeah. But like it's what you so said about um, Mags, what you said about inconsistency and stuff, I feel like it ties in with what Brady said before about it's because these people, they're, they're people. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so there's, there's these big overarching standards that at the end of the day, no person is capable of living up to. And, you know, I, I feel like that's a lot of the reason why so much guilt and depression starts creeping in, so much low self-esteem when you're trying mm. to walk this path of purity 
purity and obedience to God, it's because you just feel like a piece of shit for not living up to your own standards because they can't be met. We've been talking about shame and shame is such a tool for any abuser. And I think religion, religious abuse is no different there. And because you're saying like low self-esteem and all that kind of stuff. And Mm. so has Brene Brown, who obviously is like the goddess of yeah she's uh, she's my deity exactly (laughs) you worship at the altar of brene (laughs) (laughs) but and she and she says as well like shame is the opposite of self-esteem shame comes into being when we go to a place where we expect compassion and don't receive it wow and so that obviously we expect compassion in from ourselves but also from our families from and and i mean our the church that proclaims to be about love and compassion which i think christianity does a lot of right it does there's a lot there is a lot of good that the church does on this planet. Oh, absolutely. I know a lot of great Christians and I, I think it's important to acknowledge that because we are well, talking about religious toxic interpretations. Exactly. And look, I'm not a Christian for my own reasons and now it's not the time for me to go into those reasons. We'll do another podcast on those. <laughs> another podcast. Yeah. Um, kind of our goal with the podcasts and everything is like we're not trying to rip people out of. No. We just want to create a place for people who are leaving oppressive religion, who are leaving fundamentalism to talk, going through the same thing. And one thing that we always recommend, and I I can't say this enough, we we joke that our podcast is just like hours and hours of commercial of of professional licensed therapy, getting a therapist because that was so stigmatized within that community, just finds that. And yeah, and one of, one of the things as well that we seem to hammer on a lot about is it, there's not one way of healing for that works for everybody. So, you know, try different things. And even when it comes to therapists, I mean, if you don't like your therapist, go to another therapist. Find another one, right. Mm-hmm. Not everybody like gets on with everybody. Not everything right. works for everyone. And, and so one of the things that we try to do at Swan Wars as well is like give you stuff that worked for us. Mm, but what worked absolutely. for me didn't necessarily work for Carrie and vice versa. And and Aubrey has her, you know, her interpretation of things. And Aubrey, for example, very much is a Christian and writes about that as well. And, and you know, comes at that from, at certain points, comes at, at her healing from that angle. And that's, you know, that's worked for her. And I don't think... But she's not dogmatic at all. That. She doesn't try to pressure other people in on to believing what she... Oh, absolutely. Believes. No. And that's, I appreciate that. I really, really do. Just before we go away, Brady, obviously we will post a link to your website that has... Uh, your blog and the podcast and you have a Facebook community that is linked there as well as I do believe. Uh, are there any other resources, any YouTube channels or books or things that you say, hey, that was particularly helpful on my journey? Yeah, I'm, I'm really glad you asked that. You mentioned things that have helped us. That's what we kind of learn to recommend to other people and say, hey, if this also benefits you. I mean, if, if I start saying this is going to be your answer, then I become, I create my own fun. Exactly. Right. You know, now how stupid is that? One thing that's helped me a lot though, and um, that I'm really mindful of with our group is that I want to give resources that can heal them that aren't going to bring them back to a different type of fundamentalism or not going to require them to have a set of dogmatic beliefs to follow. So I'm very, very, very careful about that. I know some people in my community are very much into like the healing power of crystals and like Wiccan and, and all that. And I, and I 
like that. I respect it. That's not me. My defense mechanism against falling into another cult is that I look at evidence and make conclusions from that. And so Mm -hmm. in the process, I have to be very careful of what I recommend to other people. One thing that has helped me tremendously, and I cannot recommend enough of, is uh, there's a book by the name uh, of 10% Happier by an individual named Dan Harris. He was a ABC correspondent uh, with Good Morning America, Weekend Edition here in America. He's a very interesting story about how he was the religion guy. That was his job to do this religion stuff, but he was always an atheist. That's how he was brought up. And so he ended up becoming friends with like, like friends, quotes, you know, interviewing people like Ted Haggard when he went through his really- Oh my God, wow. Before before and after his big controversy. And he talks about that. uh, And he starts talking about all these other like religious people. And every time he mentioned them in the book, I cringed because I was like, Oh. oh, Please don't, please don't tell me that like you met Tag Haggard and you actually think he's a good guy and has good things to say. Like, please don't. And he's like really like out there self-help gurus. And uh, what he said was like, no, but I, I saw all these inconsistencies in these people, but what he has landed on is something called secular mindfulness. That's kind of a big deal right now and that's taking a lot of the ideas of like uh taking uh of reprogramming how you think and how you how you talk to yourself about that voice i was talking about earlier that your ego that just kind of like looks at everything is just constantly like a updating feed of information is has to do with like meditation and mindfulness training for how you think and how you process things but it's not at all based on anything other than scientific evidence and because they're t- doing so much research on these things like meditation and the benefits of them. There are ways to do that that requires no belief system, no dogma, no uh, Buddhism or anything that could be true. And all it is is just evidence-based mindfulness training and evidence-based meditation. So the book that I recommend is called uh, 10% Happier. He has another book called Meditation for the Fidgety Skeptic, which I thought was a brilliant title. (laughs) I think the 10% Happier is a podcast as well. Yes, I was about to say, they've yeah. got a podcast and a website and where he interviews other people who are doing meditation. So it's not just, oh, Dan Harris is my new guru, everybody, Dan Harris, mm. Dan Harris. But what you want to do is find people who are openly telling you who they recommend, whose books they recommend and why. Yeah. And you want it to be a large plethora of people and not just an isolated group. Yeah. What yeah. I find interesting as well, because uh, like I've obviously been listening to your podcast and although I didn't experience religious abuse in that kind of way, but there's so many things still that I can relate to and that I can learn from mm. listening to your podcast, even though right. it does you know, it doesn't translate one-on-one to what my experience has been. So, you know, I, I find that inspiration for your healing can come from so many different places. Take information in from different places is such important advice. Well, what you kind of said too earlier, and I don't know if this was before we started recording or not. I can't remember. What we're talking about is just oppression and abuse yeah. um, in a different way and in a different culture. Um, it's using different tools. It's using a different type of gaslighting. But it still uses gaslighting, right? Yeah, but it uses the same tactics. And in the end, it's the same story, isn't it? That um, yep. people yeah. using 
tactics to do, you know, to overpower people. So absolutely, there's going to be so many different, even though you haven't been through spiritual trauma, listening to a podcast about it can be beneficial because at the end of the day, you're still learning about how to take that power back yourself and how to tell your own narrative and to take um, comfort and trust in your own intuition and your own ability to observe and make conclusions off of your observations. But I'm, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. I'm going to make this a really quick rant. But uh, you asked me earlier. I love it. Have been helpful to me. Another one is reading Joseph Campbell. Um, <gasps> the power of myth. The power of myth. Um, and actually, not even reading it, but like YouTube, YouTube videos may even be like the best resource. Or watching Power of the. <gasps> the PBS special on Netflix or wherever you may have it in, in your uh, country. But uh, Joseph Campbell was a guy in the 80s who studied mythology. He studied religions. He didn't study religion. He studied religions. And mm-hmm. so you have this idea of like, wow, all of these stories, there is a consistency to the stories that we have in our cultures as humans yeah. that have been written into our humanity that even cultures who have never even like influenced each other back like thousands of years ago, their stories and their myths and everything tell these exact same stories. And and um, the idea is that there, these are just metaphors to talk to yeah. us just yeah. about humanity. And um, if there's magic involved in that, then, then that's great. And if there's if there's seances or whatever people want to do, um, as long as it's not hurting them and those belief systems are not oppressing them even internally in ways that they subconsciously mm-hmm. don't and I'm for that. And I think that Joseph Campbell is interesting because he's like, he's an ath- he was an atheist when he was alive. Yeah. But... The, the joy and the compassion, the things that he learned about humanity from studying those things compels me as a person mm-hmm. more loving and a more understanding. Um, so I'm able to use these myths and these stories that I don't believe are literally true, but I'm mm-hmm. able to, as a tool to make me a better person. And I think I that it. is supposed to do. That brings people, our differences bring people together. But what we see in our political agenda and what we see in fundamentalism in America is that they take those differences and they use them as shaming opportunities yeah. to spread it and to further dehumanize people who do not have the same worldview as they do. Well, there's do. a, there's a, there's a, at the very core of that is an unwillingness to yes. understand each other. Yeah. Yes. What I want to do though is, is change my we, how I, how I define mm-hmm. we, you know, and my we is no longer Southern Baptist. My we is no longer Christianity. My is no longer Calvinism. My we is not the politi- is not the Republican Party here in America. But my we now is humanity. All good religion does, and good belief systems, good ones. What those are is about the we as humans. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Yeah, our, it our connects s- us. It doesn't divide us, and that's I think so important. Okay, on that note, I'm going to just say enough. If we have any more that we want. <laughs> to share then we'll just put it in the description and uh, (laughs) just wanted to finish off by um just explaining a little bit about what i've gotten out of the life after community even though i've been deconverting now for five years i have found so much solace in you know connecting with like-minded people people who like get it i know that sounds really cliched but like you know like the nuances that only people who have been through it get like the importance of like you know, feeling rebellious at Halloween because, you know, it used to be considered evil, you know, Um, things like that. Books and that whole subculture. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's weird. So it's 
been one and so supportive. Like I actually genuinely want to engage with people and like share how I'm doing in my life and you know, how, you know, check in with other people. And I love that you're not dogmatic. I love that you don't try to incite people to like anger or being fanatical about things. And I think that that's something that's very special about your group because there are a lot of groups where, you know, you're dealing with people who are trying to convert, I mean, deconvert and people who are atheists and that kind of thing. But there's not enough respect there for how gentle you have to be in the deconversion mm-hmm. process. And I would say that if I could say anything about that group, it is you do hold space. Thank you. And it comes yeah. through very, very clearly. And you can quote me on that. <laughs> if you ever need like testimonials for your website, let, you know, I'll gladly give you one because it's beautiful. <laughs> you created something beautiful. Thank you. That means so much to me. I really appreciate it. Mm, my that. pleasure. All the links in the descriptions, obviously. Well, first I want to thank you all so much for letting me come on here. That means so much. Oh, that's great. <laughs> Our signing, our, the way that we sign off um, each week that we have a podcast is that if you don't go to church, Sunday is just a second Saturday. Thank you for being with us. Thanks so much for being here. The income generated from sponsored ads in this episode is used to continue creating free healing resources. Thanks so much for your support.